Hey, good morning everybody. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church this morning. Merry Christmas. We are in the month of December, uh, Christmas series, Christmas season. We're really excited, looking forward towards December 24th, Christmas Eve, 25th celebration of the birth of Jesus. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here at the church, and I am excited to get this service started for you. Uh, right off the bat, I want to acknowledge if this is your first time joining us, whether it's online or here on campus, a special welcome to you. We would love to get to know you better. And sometimes, you know, we miss somebody new here, especially if it's online, we don't see all the data of who's actually joining in. And we just want to be able to connect, but we need some of your help to do that. So if you are new and you'd love to get connected with one of the pastors here, one of our leadership team, just uh, different things that we're doing as a church, let us know. So if you're on campus, find somebody wearing a lanyard, just let them know like, hey, I'd love to know more about what's going on here at the church or if you're online either send us a message Facebook or YouTube whatever you're joining on whatever platform you can type in a comment or send us an email hello at cedarvalley.ca and we just yeah like to get some of that going uh, you can also find a lot of good updates information devotionals announcements stuff like that on our social media platforms we're on Instagram we're on Facebook we have a weekly email newsletter we send out and you can sign up for that at our website cedarvalley.ca and while you're at that website too, you'll find a way that, or a few different ways that you can actually support what we're doing here as a church, as a ministry financially, that's uh, cedarvalley.ca slash give. And we've been really blessed by your ongoing support, both online and on campus communities, keeping us going, keeping us connected, and engaged, and just finding ways to be the light, be the ministry here at Cedar Valley. One of the amazing things we're doing is the reverse advent calendar. At the end of the service, here's a little teaser, but we'll be talking a bit more about that, the reverse advent calendar. Just a fantastic way to live out God's love and God's uh, really blessings for this city, town of mission. And uh, end of the year is coming up. Great way to just make sure you've finalized and poured out what you kind of have decided already to give to charitable organizations. So Christmas Eve coming up. I have some info to let you know about. We're excited. We are having a Christmas Eve service this year at 5 p.m. That's a little earlier than we have done it in the past, but 5 p.m. Uh, nice fun time. We're going to gather. We're going to sing some carols. It's going to be a good classic time of just winter Christmas gathering hot chocolate, Christmas story, a great time of just celebrating the birth of our Savior Jesus. Uh, it's going to be here on campus. It's going to be focused primarily on campus. We're working out ways to be able to present that online to you as well. So that'll be on our Facebook and YouTube channels. That's going to be December 24th at 5 p.m. here at Cedar Valley Church. All right, so we're going to have a time of worship singing coming up here first. We've got some songs recorded by our worship ministry, lyrics on the screen. So we ask you to just join in, have you feel comfortable. It's a time where we uh, are just celebrating who God is to us and what we see of him, how he's worked in our lives. And especially right now with the Christmas themed stuff, just excited times of celebrating the birth of our Savior Jesus. After that, we have a special lesson just for the kids. Pastor Doug is presenting another story from the so-and-so show by the Orange Curriculum. Really fun way to just live out and animate some Bible stories for us. So kids stay tuned to that. If you're here on campus, we have a special lesson and that video as well for you downstairs. So we'll be dismissing you partway through the service. Parents, uh, make sure that there is a name tag on your child so that we can return them to you, unless uh, you're trying to maybe avoid that a bit. But no, we wanna make sure that your kid is safe. Uh, get them checked in. If you're having some, if that's new to you, just find somebody wearing a lanyard and we'll help you out with that. And after that, Pastor Rob is bringing us our second message in our series, Jesus Changes Everything. And it's not just this moment where Jesus came and there was the manger story and a Christmas story and there's like a few things that changed, but Jesus changed the world. He changed the church, everything we're doing as 
what religion was at the time, what it is nowadays, and he changes us. So he changes everything, and we're talking about that each week. This morning, talking about the way that Jesus has changed back then the church, changed religion, changes us still, and keeps challenging us to live out his mission differently and unique in different ways and impact the world. But before we get into all that, a uh, question for you. If you're online, get ready on the comment section. If you're here in person, just turn to somebody around you. Let them know. And here's a question. Uh, what is your favorite Christmas ornament that you've got at home? Or maybe it's even a decoration, but something with a story about it, right? Like maybe you have uh, really pristine and well-organized decorations that you do all around the house, but maybe there's even something that first inspired that. Maybe it's just a trip to Ikea. But likely, I bet you a lot of you out there have a really cool story about an ornament that has some meaning that you were given to as a gift by somebody or you found during a trip. My favorite one actually comes from childhood. I don't even have it. It's on my parents' tree, but it's this funny little ball that plays Chris, or plays bird chirpy sounds. And when I was a kid, I was fixated on that. You had to find a way to put the battery in it. And it would always drive my parents really nuts, but I'd find a way to activate it too. But it just brings up memories of like the warm fireplace, the Christmas tree decorating, the Christmas morning, just being all together as a family. So maybe you've got a story similar to that. Throw it in the comments, share it with somebody around you, wherever you're watching online, on campus here at the church. And other than that, we're in for a great morning.
Cedar Valley kids, it is great to see you again today. Wow, um, we've got snow happening and more coming. It's looking a lot like Christmas. And I've got something in my bag here. And I don't know if you can see what these are, but 
These are already some of our Christmas cards for seniors. Some of you have been dropping them off already. You know what? I've got a bunch in the bag here, but we're hoping for more. So get making your cards, get them in as soon as you can in the next day or two. And then this week, we're hoping that this bag is going to be right full and we can go delivering throughout Mission to the seniors' homes and bring them some Christmas cheer and joy. So cool. Thanks so much. Well, now to our Bible story. This week we're talking about some of the characters of Christmas from the Bible story. They're pretty cool. Now we've got angels and shepherds and wise men and, well, there's Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and God, of course. Wow! some pretty cool characters about the Bible Christmas story. Now, we're going to hear a story, and so watch Kellen. He's going to tell our Bible story this morning. Hey, guys. Hey, Kellen. Um, what are you guys up to? Uh, just a little Christmas gift exchange. Ooh, that sounds fun. Did you get anything for me? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Of course. Yeah. Brandon? Yeah. Yeah, but I, you have to wait until Christmas. Uh. Okay, fair enough. Christmas is getting pretty close, though. And speaking of, let's get into our Bible story today. Great idea. Yeah. Today, we're looking in the first chapter of the book of Luke, where we meet Jesus' mom, Mary. And here to help me tell the story, are the so-and-so show players. Mary was engaged to a man named Joseph. He came from the family line of David. Now, Mary lived in a small town called Nazareth. I love the simple life. Nothing crazy ever happens to me. Just knitting in my room. Simple as life can be. Suddenly, an angel named Gabriel appeared to her. Mary! Ah! Hello, small young woman. I'm an angel. <laughs> See my wings? Uh, just to be clear, we don't actually know if the angel had wings or not. <laughs> Mary! Ah! Greetings, human. I'm an angel. Whoa. Yeah, hmm. The truth is, we don't know what Gabriel looked like. Though, that version, well, that might be a bit distracting for our viewers. Fine, fine, fine. Back to the wings. Where were we? You greet me and I'm terrified. Oh yeah, right, 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 right. <sighs> Mary! Ah! <laughs> what kind of greeting is this? <laughs> Do not be afraid. God is very pleased with you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. Say what? You must call him Jesus. He'll be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. Say what? And he'll rule as a king forever over his people, and his kingdom will have no end. Say what? Do I really need to repeat all that? No, seriously, uh, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The Holy Spirit will come to you. The power of the Most High God will cover you so that the Holy One that's born will be the Son of God. Whoa, 
<laughs> Your relative Elizabeth will give birth even though she's old. People thought she couldn't have children, but she's been pregnant for six months now. Hmm? What God says will happen always comes true. I serve the Lord. May it happen to me just as you said it would. <laughs> After the angel left, Mary decided to go visit her relative, Elizabeth. She hurried off to the town where Elizabeth and her husband lived. Elizabeth was pregnant, just like the angel said. Oh, greetings, Elizabeth. Oh, Mary, God has blessed you more than any other woman, and blessed is your child. You are the mother of my Lord. <laughs> it's pretty incredible, right? Yes, yes. The moment I heard the sound of your voice, the baby inside me jumped for joy. <laughs> you are blessed because you believe that the Lord will keep his promises to you. Mary was so amazed at what was happening to her. She praised God. Some people think she even sang out loud. My soul gives glory to the Lord. My spirit delights in God, my Savior. Sing along. Okay, I, I, I don't think I know this one. <laughs> wicked, wicked, wicked. He is taking note of me even though I am lowly. All people will call me blessed. Yeah, so Mary's song goes on for a while. And I mean, how could it not? She was chosen to be the mother of Jesus, the Son of God. And she was blown away by God's mercy and faithfulness. The end. Let's give it up for the so-and-so show players, everyone. <laughs> Wasn't that a great story? Man, I love the stories from the Bible, especially the Christmas one, all found right here. Now, did you notice there were three Christmas Bible story characters, but actually there was a fourth. If you can tell me what the fourth one is, and also, want to send me a note, tell me who is one of your favorite Christmas Bible characters and why you like them. Send me a note. Also, if you think you figured out who the fourth person was in the story that Kellen told us, oh, God's plan are awesome. Sometimes it's kind of unexpected or doesn't go quite the way we think, but trust God because his plan is perfect. All right, have a great week. We'll see you next week. Jesus changes everything, part two. Jesus changes the church.
We are in a teaching series. It is Christmas time, and because it's Christmas time, it's all about Jesus. Let me ask you, uh, what do you think of when I refer to and say these three two-word phrases? Here they are. Good news, great joy, all people. This is the birth announcement of Jesus, of course. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, which we read last week. This is the story of Christmas. Christmas the gift of God to humankind is Jesus Christ. But it is also the gospel, the euangelion, as we've talked about before. The good news announcement. Good news, great joy, all people. You've heard me say, or at least portions of this, uh, and borrowing from our friends at the Meeting House in Oakville, Ontario, that the gospel can also be thought of in 30 words as, Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love, save us from our sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. Jesus is God with us. And the, the Bible word for that is Emmanuel. God with us. Got that. Come to show us God's love. Love that. Save us from our sin. Need that. Set up God's kingdom, which is characterized by love and forgiveness and life. Want that. Shut down religion. What is that now? What? What? Jesus came to shut down religion? If we think of religion as sacrifices for sin, priests to make those sacrifices in a temple, rituals and rules to follow, all to make the gods or the God of gods happy with us, or at least not angry with us, to forgive us, to answer our prayers, and maybe even pay attention to us, then yes, I think Jesus came to shut down religion. Again, borrowing from some of the ideas of our friends at the meeting house, here's why. Jesus changes everything, beginning with Jesus replaces sacrifices. From the book of John, chapter 1, verse 29, when Jesus first stepped onto the scene of public ministry, John the Baptist pointed at him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, Jesus is the sacrifice, the Lamb who takes away all sin for all people for all time. So that the only sacrifice we make these days as followers of Jesus on the other side of his sacrifice is to offer ourselves living together as one giant living sacrifice, says the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We might say it like this. We no longer worship God by killing. We worship God by living. Let me say that again because it's pretty key. We no longer worship God by killing. We worship God by living. Secondly, Jesus replaces priests. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27, we read this. Unlike the other high priests, 
He does not need to sacrifice or make sacrifices rather day after day. First for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, which was the practice of the high priests. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus offered himself more than human sacrifice. It was divine sacrifice. And when he was done, unlike his earthly priestly predecessors who stood up and continually gave sacrifices because it was never done, Jesus sat down. Job done. The priesthood now Followers of Jesus. This is what's said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. The idea of the priesthood of all believers, I think, is for us to go to one another to receive more from God through one another as channels of his love. Both supportive, as in you're doing great, and corrective. You may, maybe you should stop doing that. That's hurting you and others. Here's a visual. In certain regions of South Africa, when someone does something wrong, he is taken to the center of the village and he's surrounded by his tribe for two days while they speak of all the good he has done. They believe each person is good, yet they make mistakes sometimes, which is really, in their understanding, a cry for help. They unite in this ritual to encourage the person to reconnect with his true nature. The belief is that unity and affirmation have more power to change behavior than shame and punishment. This is known as Ubuntu, humanity towards others, or as it is literally known, Ubuntu, I am because you are. Jesus replaces temples. Jesus taught that he, not some temple in Jerusalem or anywhere else, is the meeting place with God. Jesus is the meeting place with God. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. He said this in John chapter 2 verse 19. Then John explains what he means two verses later, saying that, Jesus was referring to his own body. So Jesus claimed to be God's temple on earth. In other words, where to meet with God. But then he introduced another shift in religious thought. That when he left, his followers would become like the body of Christ and share in the same experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God's personal presence. Oh, do we, do we see it? Jesus fulfilled the entire religious system through his crucifixion as the sacrifice, the priest, and the temple. Jesus summed up in his body and in what he did the complete sacrificial system of his day. Jesus replaces rituals. Here's the only time the word religion is used in a positive sense in the whole Bible. It's found in James chapter 1 verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So James is saying 
that the religious rituals of Christ's followers aren't any longer things like memorizing religious liturgies, attending religious services, going on religious pilgrimages, celebrating religious holidays, or saying specific prayers at specific times while facing a specific direction in a specific posture. He is saying our rituals are acts of mercy and kindness and compassion and the courage and discipline to not get gobbled up by the thinking and the ways of the non-Christian, the non-Christ-following world around us. What about, what about rituals like baptism and communion, we might ask? Are they okay? Like, for sure they are, because we don't do these things, baptism and communion or the Lord's table, to curry favor with God. We can't earn what he has already given us as gift, which is forgiveness and eternal life. Instead, we use certain rituals from time to time to remind us of what is already ours. Jesus replaces rules. Stay with me. Rules are like moral training wheels. God gave humanity a covenant of rules, regulations, rituals, and routines through Moses, but they were only meant to serve God's people for a time. Like, like training wheels on a bicycle. Until a time when God would show us the fullness of his heart in Jesus Christ. So says Gospel writer John, actually, in John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Okay, so there's the law. That's the rules, regulations, rituals, and routines. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But first, God had to put to death, so to speak, the old covenant of rules. And that's exactly what he did through Jesus on the cross, as the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, for he, Jesus himself, is our peace. How did he do that? By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. This is God's new way of relating directly to us through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Letting love, not rules, not the law be our guide because rules don't make us want to behave better. But keeping our eyes on Jesus, the one who loves us, that just might. But we might now object. Didn't Jesus just shut down one religion? In fact, his own as a Jew in favor of another? No, he didn't. We did. Like it's, we just can't help ourselves. It seems to be an ongoing human impulse to systematize faith and then worship the system because we like concrete, predictable, immediate versus abstract, wild, and timeless. Here are some Bible examples. After seeing God's miracles and hearing God's voice, Israel did what? They built a golden calf the first chance they got, and they worshipped it. After seeing God heal people through a bronze serpent, Israel started worshipping what? 
started worshiping that instead of God. After Jesus provided the last sacrifice, it didn't take long for people to say, that's a great message. We should build a religion out of that. It's, it's always a risk because our relationship with God is benefited by some rituals and rules and traditions and special things and places. We just, we just need to keep seeing them for what they are. Ways to connect with God, not the connection itself. It's like a man dying of thirst. You offer him a cup of water, but he doesn't drink it. He just licks the cup. He's confused the vessel, the cup, for the substance. Cup, good. Water, better. Don't get drunk, good. Be filled with the Spirit of God, better. Reading Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, every Christmas, good. Trusting Emmanuel, better. A cross on the wall, good. Giving your life to Jesus who hung on the cross to forgive you, better. Near the end of his life, Jesus prayed this prayer to his heavenly Father, which you can find in John chapter 17, verse 3. Now, this is eternal life. And so, immediately, what did he say? This is what he said. This is eternal life. That they know you. Remember, he's praying to the Father. The only true God. And me, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, this is eternal life. What comes next is not religion. It's not tradition. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's not the 613 laws of the Old Testament. It's not the Eightfold Path. Not the Four Noble Truths. Not the Five Pillars of Action. Not the Six Articles of Belief. Not the Seven Sacraments. Not any of the systems of restoring our broken relationship with God as navigated by the religious systems of our planet. Nope. Jesus said eternal life is knowing God and knowing him. And by knowing here in this context, we don't, we don't just mean knowing about, knowing something about someone, but rather a, a deep intimate union with someone, which is why to know someone in the scriptures and otherwise was a common use, euphemism uh, for sex back in the day. Maybe we, we could say it this way. Jesus came to lead us into an intimate experience with God, which is a kind of reunion with God through union with Jesus. This is religion-free faith. But what does it look like? Well, I think it can look like 2.4 billion people all over the world loving their neighbors and loving their enemies, a massive worldwide movement of loved people loving others, feeding the hungry, quenching the thirsty, welcoming strangers, clothing those who have need of clothing, taking care of the sick, visiting people in prison, and doing all these such things as if doing them to Jesus and for Jesus. To take up what Jesus started, activist and advocate for the rights of children and women and the marginalized, as we talked about last Sunday, and more. Here are some of the things that Christ's followers have taken up in the name of Jesus. 
a life of art or science. Jesus has had a significant influence on art. In fact, it has been said that by following the evolution of Jesus in art, you follow the progression of art itself. From hidden frescoes and Roman catacombs to Byzantine art in the 1200s, from Renaissance art in the late 1400s, think late Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci or Michelangelo's David or Sistine Chapel, to Baroque art in the 1600s, think Rubens' Descent from the Cross, from Rococo art, think that's a funny title for art form in the art period in the early 1700s to neoclassical art in uh, the mm, late 1700s to romantic art in the 1800s to modern art in the 1900s and there think of Christ the Redeemer in Soapstone in Rio de Janeiro. And that's just like some forms of visual art. Think about literature and music and theater and the impact Jesus has had on these forms of art. And it's not just art, but it's science too. Some would actually suggest that Christians were the founding fathers of modern day science. I think the argument goes like this because Christians believed there is one God who made the world and everything in it and because They believed that we are made in his image to enjoy and to explore it. Medieval Christians took to experimenting with nature to better better understand it and the God who made it. Professor Rodney Stark says the scientific revolution of the 16th century was the result of Christian scholarship starting in the 11th century. Why did real science develop in Europe and not anywhere else? He says, because of the unique features of Christian theology. Even the physicist Paul Davies, a non-believer, sees how the origin of science is rooted in Christian theology. He says, all the early scientists, such as Newton, were religious in one way or another. They saw their science as a means of uncovering traces of God's handiwork in the universe. Francis Bacon, Galileo, Newton, Copernicus, Kepler, Pascal, all these men were inspired by their faith to do science. And to the supposed conflict between faith and science, I'll let Dr. Francis answer that. As you know, or maybe you don't, Dr. Collins is an American physician, geneticist, who discovered the genes associated with a number of diseases and led the Human Genome Project. He is the director of the National Institutes of Health in the United States, where he recently led the development of the COVID vaccines. He is also a follow follower of Jesus. About faith in science, he said in a recent interview, I agree with Francis Bacon, who said, we were given two books. The book of God's words, the Bible, and the book of God's works. This amazing, complex, beautiful creation, which we have the chance through science to understand and to use that even for the purpose of healing, which I believe also is part of God's intervention. There's no conflict here between faith and science. A life of compassion or humanitarian relief Jesus was known for his compassion 
And this led many of his followers to care for the sick and the poor. At the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, or AD 325, depending on how you want to say that, the church decided to put a hospital in each town that had a cathedral. These hospitals had housing for doctors, nurses, different types of patients, and often even medical libraries and training schools. It's pretty cool. So even though medical care existed prior to the Council of Nicaea, the earliest institutions resembling what we would call hospitals today were started by Christians who were acting upon the example and teachings of Jesus. This is why today hospitals have names like Hotel Dieu in Quebec City, St. Michael's Hospital in Toronto, Grace Hospital in Winnipeg, St. Paul's Hospital in Saskatoon and Vancouver, and St. John Hospital in Vanderhoof. This is why today tons of humanitarian and disaster relief and development organizations are Christian or founded by Christians. World-class organizations like Mennonite Central Committee, Mennonite Disaster Service, Compassion International, Food for the Hungry, International Justice Mission, Samaritan's Purse, Prison Fellowship International, and World Vision. This is why today people like John and Sue Chalkis of Seeds of Hope provide medical care and nutrition and a home for orphans in Asia and Africa and provide education for students to reach their full potential. This is why today people like Juan Carlos and Elizabeth Jimenez of Light of the World Christian School provide education to the least literate country in Central America, help them build and repair houses, offer dental and medical help, clothing, food, and water filters to the poor of San Pedro, El Alto, Antigua, Guatemala, because the church has acted upon the example and teachings of Jesus Christ. A life of learning and teaching. Jesus told his followers, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus encouraged his followers to be thoughtful about their faith, actually, to love God with their minds. Love of learning then led to monasteries which became the cradle of academic guilds and eventually the establishment of universities. The earliest universities such as the University of Paris, the University of Oxford were the result of the emphasis on scholarship and Christianity and most of the early and prominent universities were originally directly associated with Christianity. Universities such as Cambridge, Oxford, and Harvard all began as Jesus-inspired efforts to love God with all one's minds. And the first legislation to publicly fund education in the colonies of Britain was called, like check this out, the Old Deluder Satan Act, as if named for God's desire for children to be educated. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes the world. He changes the rights of children and women and those who are marginalized. Jesus changed the church. 
from religious to relational, from law to love, to love others as they are loved by Jesus, to be his body on the planet, to change the world through art and science by offering the world a glimpse of who God is, to change the world through compassion and humanitarian relief by advancing medicine and building hospitals and shaping international relief and development all over the world, to change the world through learning and teaching by establishing monasteries and universities. Thank you, Jesus, for leading the way. Thank you, Jesus, for helping us along the way. And thank you, Jesus, for letting us get to know you on the way. Let's pray. Father, indeed, though you are model for us and inspiration and you have invited us to take up where you have left off and said and in fact you, the scriptures say we will do even more amazing things and when I think about that that's partly because there's so many of us where there was just you but just you was enough and not just as model, but as Lord and Savior. You, you solve so many problems that we could not principally our, our hurt, our, our woundedness, our broken relationship with the God who made us and loves us. So in that we find, oh, wow. The reason for giving our lives to you, the reason for taking up what you have started, not to earn your favor, but precisely because we have it. You gave it to us, even before we asked. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit, for helping us along the way as we look to see where you're leading us. May we step into these things, whatever they are in our everyday world and grateful for what's already happened as we've talked about today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hang tight for a second. Pastor Grant's going to come and join me and we're going to pray out our morning. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning, Rob. Thank you for the message this morning. Thanks, Grant. Uh, and you know what? I just got to say this to everyone who's watching too. This is the kind of message that you've got to be sharing with people. This is the message that's talking about the good testimony of what God has actually asked of us and ways that is, it could be seen as like defending the church, but that's not even it. That's actually just bringing testimony of how people who follow Jesus have been in action yeah. in history and today and continue to do Maybe so. affirming yeah. the positive contribution of Jesus-inspired church, right? What we could be, because, boy, like you and I both, we get sometimes, man, a lot, of, a lot of hurt stories by people who have grown up in the church or otherwise, right? Absolutely, and and the theme for this whole thing is how Jesus changes all Everything. that. And it, it's not just that point back 2,000 plus years ago when he came into the world and just changed it. There is actually a constant. It's Ongoing. constantly Snowball, going. It's happening baby. in 2021 yeah. right yeah. now. And like it that. needs to happen. So we're learning Amen. from it. Yeah. 
Awesome. Why are we holding these things? Why are we holding these things? Well, this is a little way that he's changed our church that we want to be uh, doing it. This is the reverse advent calendar we've been talking about. We're going to be praying into this every service. And I just want to invite all of you to join us in that moment. But what it is, just as a good recap, is mm -hmm. advent calendars typically get something each day of the month. or Chocolate. Eat, chocolate, mm. yeah, whatever it is, Lego. Yep. Uh, we as a church, and we did this last year, and we invited other churches in our community to do the same kind of thing, is we actually want to, every single day of the month of December, pour back out. So we partnered with the food bank here in Mission, yep. St. Joseph Food Bank. Yep. Each day of the month, there's something on this calendar, a high need item. Yes. And what we just are asking everyone to do is to get involved in this, put the thing in like a box, pray over it, make an intentional thing of saying like every day this month as we're counting down to celebrating the birth of Jesus, we also want to yeah. give back into our community. Yeah. So it's going to be huge. We're going to fill that place. We're going to stuff it full to the rafters. It's going to be lines of three churches yeah. in that parking lot that day. Yeah. And oh. we don't Between want it to Between 10 a.m. 10 a.m. to 12. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to just end it with doing a thing. It's not just about putting food on a shelf. Actually, we want to uh, make this something that's really intentional about having a heart for pouring out and giving out, especially after some floods and some bare shelves in yeah, the grocery stores yeah. that we've just gone through here. Uh, we want to live an aspect of the gospel that means we trust in the provisions that God provides us, that he's actually blessed with so much and he's asked us to pour back out and that bless others. That we can others. give out of our abundance. Absolutely. Yeah. So can you pray for that? I absolutely will. And this oh, week, okay. just so everyone knows too, yep. we've been collecting pasta sauce, cold cereal, hot cereal, Pancake salad dressing. Today. Pancake, pancake well, mix today. Stovetop stuffing on Sunday. On Sunday and today. sidekicks. Some good stuff. So Cedar Valley and wherever you're at here, join me in uh, prayer just over this Please. moment. Thanks. Thanks, Grant. Yeah. So God, thank you for the fact that you came into this world in such a way that you, you change everything. And God, you're trying to do that right from the very beginning. It's just being interactive and directing and changing. But man, we missed it. So mm -hmm. Jesus, you were here literally with us mm -hmm. at, and man, sent an example and set an example with your disciples, with everyone you impacted of just changing their lives. God, you changed the world, you changed the church. Next week, we're gonna talk about how you change every single one of us, yeah. whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. And man, thank you for letting us be part of that. So God, as the church, we are pouring into our community. God, we are, we are sending non-perishable items, high needs items for those in need, especially after disasters, especially during mm -hmm. a cold, rainy, wintry month like December and kind of continuing on from there. So God, we just pray that these items are not just sustenance. They're not just things to put into somebody's cupboard, but they actually are the starting point. They are the inspiration point for somebody finding you, experiencing your love, your grace, and your salvation. God is that starting point of a life turned towards you and to see the way you see them, God, not as people who are just in need, but actually as people who are loved, people who are celebrated and created uniquely after you. So God, we just pray that you bless this whole thing we're doing, the other churches involved, that this is not just a food bank, this is so much more. This is support, this is the community, this is the church coming together to love on your children, all of us. So God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you for joining us, Cedar Valley. We'll see you next week.